I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. If you want to sell your physical therapy practice, your healthcare business in the next two years, you need to do these five things right now, starting today. Let's get right into it. I'm Dave Kittle, owner of Concierge Pain Relief Home Physical Therapy in the New York City area and the CEO of the Fieldmaker Group. We're currently speaking with practice owners in the New York and New Jersey area about partnering or acquiring some or all their practice. Let's get into it. Step number one, if you want to sell your practice in the next two years, there are five things to do right now. Let's get going. Step number one, start planning right now with your accountant. There are obviously several beneficial reasons for physical therapy practice owners, healthcare business owners to start planning out this process. There's many things to consider. Tax implications, obviously valuation. They might have some experience there, even though that will be potentially more with your broker or advisor. Financial planning, whether it's a wealth advisor, financial advisor, or maybe your accountant helps with that, as well as the due diligence process, which will be your accountant potentially helping you prepare documents that potential buyers like us or other corporate buyers might want to see when you go to sell your practice in the next two years. So that's step number one. Step number two, you want to increase your taxable profits. I know this one is going to be a little counterintuitive. You want to increase your taxable profits. What is taxed each year for this year, next year, more cash flow. You want to show more cash flow on the books of your business. And we understand that it's very common for practice owners to minimize their tax liability by showing a small taxable dollar amount and having some other personal expenses go through the business books and many other things that potentially could be kosher and, and legal and, and maybe just a gray area or on the fence. But the reason why you want to show increased taxable income on your taxes in the next two years before you go to sell your practice is that it will help to decrease risk for potential buyers like us. The books are very clean. Yes, you'll be taxed a little bit more in the next two years, but you will make that back when you go to sell your practice. You want to show buyers like us or other buyers out there, you want to show them very easily. I mean, obviously we're going to go in, we're going to look at, we're going to look at expenses, we're going to look at addbacks, and then you're going to say, okay, this car or this gym membership or or this personal family expenses were write-offs. But obviously, if you guys take over and buy the practice, those write-offs will not be on the books in the future. We get all that. It'll just accelerate the process of potential buyers being able to see that there is more free cash flow in your practice. And it'll be a little bit easier for us to judge the health of the practice. That is certainly something also in terms of the taxable dollar amount is something, again, for step number one, for you to talk to your accountant with. All right. Anyway, step number three, you want to interview several brokers or advisors. Now, I just had a few practice owners reach out to me over LinkedIn, over email, and they're many years away from potentially retiring or exiting their practice. If you're in the three years or less, the seriousness, the headspace of you're looking to sell your practice in the next one, two, or three years, then I think I think it makes the most sense to contact brokers and advisors. You can interview them. You can check out my show. I've interviewed a bunch of different brokers and advisors on the podcast here. You want to you know look at their websites, schedule phone calls with them, 
Zoom calls with them, whatever. And it's just like anything else. It's like, you know, when we're hiring candidates and you're hiring physical therapists or front desk staff for your practice, obviously you want to, you want to see, and you want to speak with as many candidates as possible. You can get a sense of like the market out there. You want to get a sense of, you know, comparison and, and who would be the right fit. Same thing, if not more so in terms of broker advisors. Now, certain brokers advisors are going to be a little bit more specialized in physical therapy. You probably know some of the names, some of them have been on my show. And then other brokers and advisors are maybe across several different states, or they help with different verticals in healthcare. Like some brokers help with dental or chiropractic and physical therapy and maybe physician. And then there's some broker advisors that are specific to physical therapy only. So you want to check out them. You want to obviously go to PPS and you want to ask other practice owners that have also been on the show here, who they used and would they use them again if they were to have a new practice and sell their practice again in the future. You want to ask your colleagues, you want to ask physical therapy practice owners, who did they use? Which broker advisor did they use if they use one at all? And then if they would be in a situation again in the future to sell their current practice or their new business, would they use that type of broker or advisor again or not? Obviously, they're all these broker advisors, they're not created equal. Some are going to have more expertise in valuation, valuation expertise, uh, valuation in understanding the market, the local market where you're at, or the regional market of the comps of the comparables of like what approximate dollar amount practices and businesses are sold for or healthcare businesses are sold for. Some practice owners, some brokers or advisors, they might outsource the valuation component and some will do like a an independent valuation and that could cost a couple thousand bucks, but some broker advisors know the market well enough, they're confident enough, they're experienced enough that they will do their own valuation themselves, obviously in communication with you, with the practice owner, with the potential seller, and be able to get to a potential asking price or a valuation. Brokers or advisors out there, some that will do the valuation process in-house will save you thousands of dollars. You won't have to outsource that component to an independent billing firm, and the broker advisor will be able to complete things like the valuation by themselves and in communication with you, the practice owner, which will probably save you a few thousand bucks at least. And then therefore, some of those things are what add up. And so some of those components could be like the time-saving components. Like if you find a broker advisor who only helps physical therapy practice owners sell their practice, like that person is probably like Mike Pituitowski, who's been on the show before, very like a very expert, a very specific individual who's a specialist in, in what they do, which could also then save you time because they know the market. They know how valuations go. They know us or other buyers out there and they can reach out to those buyers. So again, it really depends. But those are the types of things you want to think about for step number three, which was interview several different brokers and advisors. Step four, you want to select the best broker or advisor for you, obviously. But again, in this process, this could take you weeks to months and Google their names, Google the broker advisor's names, see what other things are out there on, online. Maybe they've done interviews on my show. Maybe they've done interviews or, or talks or, or blog posts elsewhere. So you want to get a sense of go online, look these individuals up, get a sense of like who they are, what's their track record. And it's no different than anything else. Like if you're selecting a realtor or if you're selecting someone else to help with a really big transaction or if you were at the point, if you were selecting a new attorney or a new accountant, like a new financial advisor, a new wealth advisor, whatever, obviously you do your due diligence as much as possible. So these broker advisors, you want to be looking for their experience. Obviously, they have to start somewhere, but you don't want to be the first potential physical therapy transaction or, or deal that they're taking on. So you want to ask about their expertise. You want to you know, ask about their marketing strategy. Some of them will put up their 
these anonymous broker listings on, on their website or like the main company's website. And some don't, some will do, some already know the potential buyers like us or other buyers out there. And then the brokers will just reach out to us and they'll say like, oh, my client saw you on, on the show or this interview or, you know, said you have a, a good podcast or whatever. And then they reach out to me directly or, you know, vice versa. You're looking at on Google, you're looking up practice owners, who else have they used in the past? Or you're looking up these practice owner representatives, these broker advisors, who did they use? Um, what's their experience level? And then again, what's their marketing strategy? How do they get your business confidentially in front of other buyers like us and other buyers out there? Usually a lot of the broker advisors are going to be reaching out to the different potential buyers out there, which is one of the big reasons why I put the show out because then we get broker advisors reaching out to me because we're putting out this content and it's kind of accelerating the ability for these broker advisors to reach out to us. So also pricing strategy, there's a lot in here. I'm not going to dig into it. We've we've gone over in other shows, but some broker advisors will charge a retainer, uh, some several thousand dollars up front. Some broker advisors, like for example, Chris Vandeford, who is uh, the owner, the broker and owner at Transition One, he uh, helps mostly dental practice owners exit their practice, and he does not take a dime from you until you sell your practice. And I know a lot of pra- I know a lot of broker and advisors now do this, or they're doing it more and more often, where they don't make money until you make money and they will get a percentage. And I've done a show on what percentage and what commission percentage broker advisors have usually will ask for. You'll have to check that out. But then their incentives are aligned with yours. They're not going to just milk a bank account and, and charge you $1,000 a month or charge you five or 10 grand up front or something like that, which some, some do. And again, you got to weigh the pros and cons of like, what do they actually give you? What are the deliverables? What's the value that they do for that? Some probably do deliver a lot of value in education, expertise, and counsel and experience for you up front. And so maybe it's worth five or 10 grand up front. I don't know. And some of them might be interfacing with your wealth advisor, your financial advisor, your private accountant, or your attorney, et cetera. And so if, if that were the case, then yeah, maybe that would be worth two, five, ten thousand dollars up front in value for a cost of that. It could be. Also, communication and accessibility. So communication, you want to make sure that these broker advisors are great but not super swamped with bigger deals, bigger potential asking prices and bigger practices that they're selling. And then you potentially kind of fall by the wayside because if you're in the 1 million to 2 million or $3 million purchase price range, then you might not be their main priority. Or maybe you're going to be passed off to some junior associate or analyst or something like that. It depends how many, depends on which broker advisory firm and all that. But, and then again, so we talked about the pricing strategy, a little bit of valuation, what are the fees? What are the terms for this? Some of these broker advisors will obviously want to have you, you know, locked up for a certain amount of time. And I've heard some of them will just auto renew every, I don't know, three months, six months, every nine, 12 months, something like that. But you, the practice owner, should be able to get out of that anytime you want once it expires. And it's it's usually not a forever engagement. It's usually some fixed uh, timeline in terms of the length of the engagement. Anyway, so that was step number four, which is selecting the best broker advisor for you. Takes a lot of time due diligence. That's why we're talking about if you're looking to sell your practice in the next two years, it's going to take you weeks or months, sometimes just days. But you know, to do a lot of this, it's certainly in terms of like more dollar amount for your taxable income, that's going to take the rest of this calendar year to kind of get yourself focused on that if you're going to do that. Step number five, understand the reasonable timeline and transition process. So, really quick, I've done a whole other episode on timelines. For exiting and selling your practice, it kind of, it's like everything else in healthcare and physical therapy. It depends. 
And so the timeline could be 60 to 90 days, you know, like three months, or it could be nine to 12 months. And it really depends on so many, it depends on, are you a gigantic, do you have 25 locations and it's going to take a while and it's a big number and there's a lot of lawyers and accountants involved, or if you, your practice is going to be worth, let's say in the one to $3 million range. I mean, it shouldn't necessarily take 12 months to do that type of a transaction and a deal. It certainly could, but understanding the reasonable timeline is fairly straightforward. I think the transition process that I want to talk about a little bit more really quick is super important to us, the buyers, because we want to have you stay on board typically for one or two years or three years. It really depends on, do you have any health and wellness issues? Do you really need to get out financially? Are you moving? Are you moving from one coast to the other? Are you moving from one side of the country to the other? Are you moving out of state? What like what is what is going on here with your situation? Transition process is really, it's going to depend on a lot of things, but ideally practice owners should certainly know from buyers like us and other corporate buyers out there that most of these corporate buyers will want you to stay on for one or two or three years. And if they're only going to buy 60 or 70% of your practice and you're going to be retaining 30 or 40% equity ownership of your practice, well, then obviously it makes sense for you to maybe not work as much, maybe only be in the office 40 hours a week, for example, and, and that's a whole other employment contract. But having you stay on indefinitely until they potentially want to offer to buy your, out the rest of your equity. So if they bought 70% and you retain 30%, maybe you stay on board for indefinitely for the foreseeable future until maybe that bigger corporate sells off to, they close their, their private equity fund that they're backed by, they sell to a bigger buyer, a bigger strategic, whatever they, USPH buys them, whatever it might be. But the biggest thing about this step that I want to convey is the importance of the transition process because buyers like us, we want to minimize risk. We want to have continuity of operations. There's many cases where you could continue to stay in control of the day-to-day, make a lot of the decisions, the hiring, the admin, the, the billing, some of those things you might want to get out of. And then some of the buyers will take over those things for you. But in the transition process, there's a lot of like knowledge transfer. We want to minimize risk. We, you know, we want to mitigate risk. So we want to minimize the amount of risk. And if you are staying on board and in the office moving forward, then that shows stability in the practice. And your staff members don't start looking to go work somewhere else and they go on Indeed and start looking at other jobs elsewhere, which would certainly compromise the strength and stability of the transition process. So buyers like us, we want to minimize all of these types of risks. And the transition process is really, really key for you to understand. So again, part of why I put out this content is to teach practice owners that just because you're going to sell your practices does not mean you're going to get the money and just completely walk out the door the next day and never go back to your practice. That's really not how it works for a lot of these deals, for a lot of these transactions. And again, just to touch on staff retention, we're buying your practice. We're buying 60, 70, 80, maybe 100% of your practice. We need to retain staff. We need to maintain the continuity of care for your patients. We want to continue to help impact the community. We need to retain staff for stability and making sure that we can obviously in the future recoup our investment in this acquisition, in this partnership of this practice. And staff retention is obviously a crux here. It's it's certainly a, a big supporter of how well this type of a transition, how well of a, a partnership could actually be. And obviously, if a bunch of staff get spooked, they get scared, they want to go work somewhere else because they're afraid of new ownership or you, the owner, is no longer in the office, 
obviously that can compromise things. So that is the five steps. If you want to start your practice in the next two years, those are the five things to start right now. Again, step number one was start planning now with your accountant. Step number two, increase taxable profits, show more free cash flow in your practice. You can certainly do that by increasing revenue or decreasing your expenses or both. Step number three, interview several brokers, advisors. That's going to take you weeks, if not months, maybe just weeks. Step number four, select the best broker for you. Only you know yourself the best. And so you certainly will be able to interview several and pick the best individual or firm or agency that would best represent you and and what you believe in and and the process that you are about to uh, embark on. Step number five, understand the reasonable timeline kind of in that three to 12 month window certainly can depend on a lot of situations. And the second part of step number five, the transition process. If you find this helpful, valuable, go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube, comment below. If you have any questions, let us know, topic ideas, whatever it might be. Check us out also on iTunes and Spotify. And that's it for the Dave Kittle Show. We'll catch you next time here and have a great one. Bye. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com. Or you can call me at any time, 646-781-8884.